Walking arenas, I'm shutting it down and I'm raising the bar. Y'all look like the kind of get lost in the shuffle, just playing the part. I belong in the light. Y'all can just stay in the dark. Funny how every time they know who we are, but we say who we are. I'ma take care of the life work. I'ma make them fans go loco. Black and yellow in the logo. I got the game in the chokehold. Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 120. I'm your host, wow. a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Uh, sold my soul to the company store, David McBurney, Fanboy Master. I hope you got a good price for it. Uh, I don't know, my name is a different color on the Discord now. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, I still need to actually let somebody know I'm on d- the Discord now. Oh, oh yeah, you should probably do that. <laughs> yeah, I probably should at some point, yeah. Anyway, yes, Michael Baker, Gaijiman Okatari, your man in Japan. And now, happy father of two. Woohoo, congratulations, sir. May they grow up powerful and uh, powerful and healthy. Yes. With a good IV spread. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get get this show on the road. Alright, you want to start with the the stream chat questions? Yeah, someone asked this question in the stream chat, which was actually a question. It's, it's, I believe, Budai under another alias. But, uh, let's see. Uh, the, the question that he had asked in the Steam chat was whether Sony still owned any Square Enix stock. And I remember the first time that they had owned Square stock, which was back in, like, 2002 when they bought a minority stake in Square that, like, got partially bought out in Square Enix merger, and then apparently they had some, like, 9% stake in Square Enix up until about 2014 when they seemingly sold off their entire stake. Very strange. I don't... It was never a stake enough to control anything, so it was kind of weird why they had it in the first place. Weird. I wonder if there was at one point, like, an abortive business plan to try to buy them out, and it just never went anywhere, or... You sometimes see that, like, with the Vivendi universe. With the Vivendi... Yeah, just Vivendi. It's not Vivendi Universal. They divested themselves of Universal long ago. When Vivendi was thinking of trying to buy out uh, Ubisoft and started buying off as much of it as they could, and they got to about a 20% stake and realized it wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And uh, ended up selling it all off eventually. Yeah, so... Look down at these... uh, questions that were in the comments section. Uh, this is another one for Budai. Have you ever gotten into a beta test? Woohoo! I have, nope. I, I have answers. Oh no. I have answers. Well, answer me. Answer the question, dang it. Uh, well, back in my Mac gaming days, I actually got when into... When you were inside Mac gaming. I actually <laughs> beta tested many a Mac game. Uh, it seems like a really close-knit community, so that's not that surprising. Yeah, no, and it was not it's not all that interesting because uh, mostly... They were probably like Windows games that had been out for two years. Right. Um, mostly just ports, uh, with a few exceptions. Um, one of the coolest, I think, was uh, doing a beta of Worms 3D. Oh, uh, mostly because my name is in the instruction book. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Do you put that on your CV or? Nah. 
You should. Uh, let's see. What I, uh, I got into the World of Warcraft beta when it was still in closed beta. Which was oh, that's well. actually a historical experience. Yes. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, I mean, I think they had like one main Mac programmer who... Uh, I think he posted in the Inside Mac Game forums or something like that, but... I mean, yeah. Not dispelling the idea cool. that Mac gaming was a weird cult at one point. It was a thing. And as as soon as Mac switched to Intel, that was pretty much the end of it. Because, you know. Now they were just PCs running on the OS. Exactly. Uh, let me think what else. Um... We're going to have a lot of Mac discussion. <laughs> I mean, would would Steam early access count? Sort of. That's I mean, because question, I... Because that is what it is. Yeah. I mean, um, if that doesn't... Uh, me and Crypt of the Necrodancer. Oh, nice. Because, oh, I mean, I actually... I mean, I played the pre-alpha build at TGS one year and actually chatted with the developer on feedback. Yeah, yeah, I and, did the same at a PAX one year. Yeah, and then bought the, um, then bought it early access, and was a semi-frequent commenter in their forums for a few months, and suggested the Harpy Monster. Nice. Yeah. What a great game. <laughs> yep. Are we all? Pi- oh, did you see that the? Speaking of Necrodancer, you saw the news from a few months back that they're doing a uh, Zelda. Legend of- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if I had another, if I didn't need another reason to get a switch eventually. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've like. There's a few times where I've been in like a semi-closed beta, like in cases of like, oh, if you, it, it's one of those kinds of things where it's like half stress test. So like, mm-hmm. they don't just completely open it up, but like a part, a person who gets one code can ha- send a code to another person. So I've done that. I've gotten a few of those. Uh. But otherwise, not not a lot in my experience. Got how weird this UI is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, what, I'm trying to think of like closed betas. I, like many other people, played the closed beta of Anthem, which was like, um, this this is not going to go well. This is broken, but it yeah. has potential. But it's not going to have time. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> What a tragic, tragic thing. Um, I was in the closed beta for Magic Arena. For oh, yeah, ages. I remember that. And you played it a lot. And, and I, then you... <laughs> I honestly don't know if it's actually officially released or still in open beta. I don't really know. Like, I know or that care. at some point it, it reached a point where, like, it was telling you that if you didn't transfer your, like, your account to like the official thing that you're you were just gonna lose everything. Yeah. That I remember. Yeah, I remember that part. Um to my great shame, it was never in the Hearthstone beta. You'll never be a true legend now. I know. <laughs> your legend status won't comfort you. I'm just trying to think of any other cool betas and nothing really can, came to mind. I mean, I I guess technically 
beta tested some games when I was an intern at a game company, but that doesn't really count. That was that was more like normal testing, and it right. sucks. Right. Now you got to tell me what games, though. I never heard about this. Uh, you probably nothing you've ever heard of, I'm sure. Try me, buddy. You know me. Airburst Extreme. I've heard the name. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's a pretty cool game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, well, you're in the credits, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Oh yeah. What was I gonna say? Uh. Oh, Budai just asked in the chat, were you, Wheels, were you in the Fable game that was cancelled beta? Fable uh, the Journey or something. You played like a demo of it, I feel like. I'm pretty sure I downloaded it. I don't remember if I ever actually played it. I remember you being very, like, I'm not surprised this was cancelled at one point. Uh, yeah, that's right. Maybe I did play and it was, it was terrible. I, re- I seem to recall you came away thoroughly unimpressed. Okay, I also had the also had the like the what the hell is the name of that game gigantic or something on xbox the, i i seem to recall that canceled. canceled as well yeah yes <laughs> as you may recall me, most of the first party titles for the xbox one were eventually canceled <laughs> yeah it was like this they they just lost confidence in a lot of stuff like the, there must have been some sort of internal restructuring going on at microsoft for a while there that was just like cut this off cut this no more of this. Like, Phantom Dust, they did the same thing. Uh, I remember people being surprised that Crackdown 3 managed to reach release. Yeah. And I honestly <laughs> kind of am myself. <laughs> huh, that's... Tim, I have no idea about what any of these words mean. <laughs> that's fine. That's for the best. Gigantic and Fable, the Fable Legends were not great looking. They're varying degrees of garbage. They're varying degrees of very generic fantasy. Mm. Also, this Polygon article I was looking at to make sure that I remembered what a gigantic was uh, is linking me to directors of Avengers Endgame are making a Magic the Gathering show for Netflix. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't... I didn't... Like, I, I know Magic the Gathering has lore but I don't know enough about it to understand how that works. <laughs> well, hold on. Uh, please do this. not get them started right <laughs> we are now. Not Let doing me this, open Wheels. up my PowerPoint. Wheels, you get, we don't you have get that much one, time, Wheels. Wheels, you get one barely related rant, and you've already decided on decided what you're spending it on. Damn it, we are not going back over literally almost 30 years of random lore. We get. I, I will give the world the only Magic the Gathering uh, information that anyone needs, which is that Richard Garfield's idea of his favorite deck is like the most hateful thing anyone's ever come up with. It's horrifying. <laughs> which is like a deck where you play nothing but like you attempt to mill your opponent, but you only play like game that card that forces you to play a smaller Magic game over and over and over and over. Uh, and don't worry, folks. This card, that card, is banned in every format, so it will you will never, never come back. Yes, but I love the idea that, like, that was his idea of like the most the uh, the deck he would want to play the most was mm. that shit. Uh what a t- what a strange game Magic was when it started. It's much better now. So what happens if I rip up a Black Lotus in the middle of a game? Uh, uh. 
Okay, hang on. Uh, you co- would cause many people exis- existential horror. Is what you would do. Sometimes I say things just to hurt you. I could hear the existential <laughs> horror in your voice. <laughs> uh, sometimes I don't just hurt you by showing you card games that have very strange rules. Sometimes I do this. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. You, why, why does Yu-Gi-Oh exist? Can someone explain <laughs> because, this to me? Because it's so funny. Every, every card... Random <laughs> Every card I look at is just full of obscure text, and it, I can't even read them. It just, my my brain shuts off. <laughs> I can't. So of course I have to force you to play it at least once. It's like um, back, back in school when I was trying to read Great Expectations and would finish a chapter and realize that I had started daydreaming in the middle of reading the chapter. I like how you just remember nothing. That I like how you just compared a very strange licensed card game to a work of classic literature. Moving on. There's nothing uh, classic about Great Expectations. F that book. I didn't say it was good. I said it was classic literature. Okay. It's different. Okay. Um, let's see. We've talked about your first RPG, but what was your second RPG? My first was Mystic Quest. My second was probably Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. <laughs> I was a late bloomer on RPGs. Hmm. Um, Japanese RPGs or American computer RPGs? Uh, Whichever one feels right to you. (laughs) Because it's probably something really chintzy from Tori Station or one of the other BBSs. I mean, like, I think my first actual RPG was a NetHack clone called Mariah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. Uh, I mean, when you go go that far back, it's really hard to tell which one came first. When you go back that that far, you start like reaching a point where it's like, yeah, you're you're like I, I'm imagining like I didn't have this kind of BBS access. Certainly, I was a little late for that. But uh, like when you get to that point where you're like not even sure if a game is real or your childhood self imagined it and just <laughs> didn't tell you. Uh, there's uh, like a, I don't think I've ever gotten that bad, but yeah, there's there's a few games where it's like. I remember such vague snippets of them that, like, they probably exist, but I wouldn't be able to tell what they were if you showed them to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember a couple as blurbs out of a computer gaming magazine that I was like, "It sounds cool," and I have no idea what it is now. And I'm sure if you ever found it, it'd be disappointing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would yours be, Wheels? Uh, I'm trying to think of this. Like the first one. At least on consoles, because my memory of PC RPGs is a little fuzzier. It's probably Dragon Quest. So I'd say wow. second was probably um, Final Fantasy Legend. Because even though Final Fantasy was out at the time, we never owned a copy. And I never this really This was portable Final it. Fantasy. So, you know, as soon as we had a Game Boy and that was available, that's kind of what I wanted. But... My memory is fuzzy on when we got a Game Boy and when we got the Super Nintendo. And so I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to say Final Fantasy Legend is, is probably it. Um, second, there's there's second. probably some NES games that, that are like maybe qualify as RPGs that m- might actually be the second one, but uh, I'm just going to go with that for my answer. Final Fantasy Legend, second in chronological order, but number one in your heart. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I remember playing Crystalis like in second grade or third grade, somebody's birthday party. 
It's a good game. Yeah. I was glad when that finally got uh, collected on the SNK 40th. I still have the Game Boy Color copy. Um, not quite sure what I'll do with it. That game's tragic because it fixes like one thing and then breaks like five others. <laughs> yep. That's why I haven't finished it. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's a, a lot of those like Nintendo software technologies, uh, Game Boy Color, like ports or reimagining of NES games. Is, it, games are all just like. Uh, well, good good pick on what to try with. Like, kind of a shame about everything else. So, I mean, like, they also did Bionic Commando Elite Forces, which is a really neat, like, oh, Bionic Commando's neat. Oh, this is bad. This is a bad Bionic Commando. So, that's that's kind of the, the story of Nintendo software technology as a whole, sadly. Oh, God, you are playing Mario RPG. What? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, I played this, and, like, the concept, the word RPG just didn't register, well, not word, but the abbreviation RPG didn't register in my brain when I rented it. So, like, playing it, it's like, oh, this is like the Final Fantasy game, this is weird, <laughs> was essentially my immediate reaction. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, I was super into RPGs, so, like, Mario as an RPG was, it was, like, just... Amazing. I also had problems with this because I didn't know I did not do well with timed hits. I did not really fully. Uh, I didn't know about timed hits, so mm. <laughs> so it, it ended poorly. I I was killed many times. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to work out if there's going to be any point in this discussion where you'll be able to work in the rant that you have. But... Please don't tempt him. Oh, oh no, no, there's a specific one that I promised. Now, this is about Macintoshes. And I don't mean apples. Mac well, not yeah. the fruit. Uh, you, were th you were waiting to spring that entire sequence of <laughs> statements. Yes, he was. Yep. He should have shined it a bit more. Yeah, it's actually a short rant anyway. Yeah, it's mostly just because there was a uh, there was a bunch of Mac news today. Yeah, and it was all stupid. Here's a six thousand dollar tower that you could probably build for twelve hundred dollars on your own. And hey, here's the new Mac OS. Do you want to know what the new features are? Sure, here they are. The new features are we're breaking iTunes up into three different applications instead of one. And you can now use an iPad as the second screen. That's it. That's all the new features in this major release of your OS. Great. Great. I've never heard someone sound so personally hurt by a corporate action. Uh, I mean, I gave up a long time ago. Apple is garbage. I think the real, the real magic there is the $6,000 tower, tower with the $5,000 monitor and the $1,000 monitor stand. And also, the tower looks like a cheese grater. Yeah, that was. I don't know how that got through with Apple's usually very carefully curated sense of aesthetic design. The thing looks like garbage. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Let's talk about RPGs. Fuck it. Yeah, RPGs. Those don't come out on Mac. <laughs> oh. What a card I am. Uh, uh, okay, moving on. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about RPGs without a main character? Which games can you think of that, even, that don't have one? 
Um, I think that, that splits us into two things, because like, sometimes you get games like Wizardry, where they don't have a main character because they just don't have characters. And sometimes that's like they don't have a main character because the cast is an ensemble and it keeps changing perspectives. Um, Romancing Saga 2, mm. where the protagonist, as it is, is the, literally the entire dynasty. Yeah. Like, there's, there's not a character there. It's following, like, a structure, a, a timeline structure, so there's no real main character. Yeah. Which, uh, that works, because, like, when you when you embark on this, you have to build your entire plot about around it, or else it's just not going to work. Yeah. Whereas otherwise, like, you, you, you can also do the no main character, because it keeps switching uh, around, like, I, I've definitely heard many arguments about what the main characters of, say, Final Fantasy VI are, and it's just like, it's, eh, it's a few people. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you got to be careful, because it can feel very... It, it can end up coming off kind of unfocused, so... Yep. But... Now, Final Fantasy VI did a pretty good job of it, for what it's worth. In as much as it had cartridge space for, I feel like the game definitely feels like it should have more... Uh, Everything. It, yeah, it needs more... Like It's so, it's so character-driven that it needs more dialogue, and it doesn't have space for it. Mm-hmm. But it, it does about as good a job of juggling it as could be reasonably expected, given the circumstances. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, I'm trying to like everything else I can think of. Like you get into like something like wizardry clones, which typically you know they won't have a main character, but they also basically just don't have a plot. <laughs> um, Seventh Dragon, the original for DS. Oh yeah. I mean, technically your group is the chosen ones to defeat the Dragon Menace, but you can just switch out anybody for, at any time. <laughs> And the and pretty much all of the plot that does not involve you killing dragons involves major NPCs in around the planet making political decisions that affect the, you. Yeah, but you don't actually have any say in these political issues. Yeah, you're you're just the the ones that go kill the dragons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's kind of. Uh... Early, early Final Fantasy games kind of do that a lot as well, where it's just like, there's a plot going on. Like, I'm thinking specifically of three, where you'll keep meeting up with people who are actually characters, but your characters are basically just ciphers, even though they have credit dialogue. But you get into these, like... Like, a lot of these early RPGs will have, like... They'll be split into, essentially, episodes, and it's like, each town's an episode, and, like, that, like that town or that character will have a subplot but like your characters will never really do anything oh it's person of lordly caliber <laughs> I forgot they released this on the Wii U virtual console mm-hmm. but yeah uh, trying to think of like other ones like seventh dragon is an interesting example Uh, geez, without a main character. Like, uh, I feel like this, like, strategy RPGs are more open to this idea, but, like, even something like, uh, this ogre battle here, like, 
it at least plays at having a main character. Mm-hmm. Even if that you know character might have no defining characteristics or is mostly moved upon by the plot, like there's still a character you're following. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you think of any boos? Not really. <laughs> not any that necessarily qualify. What do you? What are the ones you think are on the cusp? Ooh. Sounds like nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, no, nothing's really coming to mind. Okay. Let's see. Uh, well, then we can sort of move on. This from a this is a not Budai question. Uh, Yay. This is, this is from Crawl. Uh, what is the biggest jump in quality you've experienced in a remake and or remaster? And that goes both ways, both good or bad. Hmm. I'll, I, can I start with the bad? Go sure. ahead. Uh, the remake of the first Wild Arms is trash. Oh, that is a... Yeah. That is a... Oh, man. That is a game that, like, on its face is... Uh, on its face, there's nothing wrong with it, except for the fact that it's essentially worse than its predecessor in every way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange game. Like, and, and, like, Wild Arms 1 is not an amazing game. It's a pretty good game, but when you make a game that's worse than it in every way, and you also make it ten years later, it's just like, oh. Oh, why? Why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> uh... I would say near the near the top of positive improvements would be something like Lunar Silver Star Story Complete compared to Lunar Silver Star. I've got a better one than that. Oh no. Oh what? Saga three. Yeah, yeah, but I haven't played that one, so I couldn't bring that up. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just waiting for a chance because that one is remade to the point where calling it a remake it just does not do it justice. It's just a replacement video game. Uh, someone in chat suggested Final Fantasy IV DS. I'm not even well, sure that which one has its ups and its downs. There. Yeah, uh, one of the downs being some of the th- ways that the magic damage algorithms have been rejiggered mm. to make certain battles much much nastier. I like the idea behind 4DS because it's like this game that's designed to be like a challenge for normal players, but like brutally mean to people who are intimately familiar with the original. Like, that concept is really fun to me. Uh, I can only think of a few remakes that have had the had the guts to do it. There's, like, the Resident Evil 1 remake is very much designed to screw with players who have played a lot of the PS1 version of Resident Evil 1. And the Resident Evil 2 remake that came out just this year is very much the same. Of Like, here is a game that will be tough for new players, but will just completely, like, discombobulate return players for, like, if they have any expectation of something having stayed the same. That's another <laughs> one of those massive jumps in quality, too. Like, that remake is something else. Resident Evil 1 remake? or but, Well, honestly, both, but I'd say Resident Evil 2 more so. Like, Resident Evil 2 is an amazing game, and Resident Evil... Like, the thing is, I, I, I don't count it as an amazing jump in quality, because the 2 remake is amazing, but I still think that the original is worth playing. 
Sure. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, when I think of a massive jump in quality, I think of if you have one, there's no reason to ever play the other. Which is an entirely personal uh, distinction. But, like, that's that's how I'm looking at it. So, like, there, I would never recommend Lunar Silver Star to anyone other than someone really interested in fine. Wow, you're you're giving yourself a lot of strange choices. Um, I'm but, just pressing A, man. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> Which made me see that you said you desire strife. Um, your chaos frame is going to be going to be wacky wheels. Uh, but uh, w- w- like, I would never recommend Lunar Silver Star to anyone in preference to Lunar Silver Star Story Complete because unless they just had played the played the remake enough times that they just wanted to see what the what it was remaking and want, were really intent on seeing the history there because otherwise there's not much reason to. Okay. Well, I just I had to step out for a moment to get a phone call, but did we mention the uh, the subsystem in Final Fantasy 4 DS where we did not you, talk about the augments. Yeah, that that's that's the first thing I thought of when you said makes it harder for veterans. Yeah, cuz like veterans would would know what characters are going to leave and they wouldn't give them augments and that's the game tricking you. <laughs> because the only way to get some of the better augments is to give away previous augments. Yeah, so you have to get, like, you would give away something like Cry because you're not going to use that much and then you might get Omni-Heal in return. <laughs> yeah. So, deeply, deeply silly system, but it's another one where it's, like, kind of fun because it's playing a trick on returning players. <laughs> uh... I'm thinking about how many times Final Fantasy IV, the after years, has been ported or remastered or remade without anyone actually wanting it. I'm <laughs> uh, thinking uh, the Tactics Ogre remake. I think I would. Oh, that's a really I, nice one. I, I would never recommend the original, like because that is just like the perfect version of the game. Although, I don't necessarily think it's like a, a massive, as massive an update as some of the other games, but. It's, it's it's a very more, important refinement because this also yeah. brought up remasters. So right. Uh, also, the person uh, Batacald who brought up FF4DS also mentions that they loved sticking Sega CD, Lunar Disk, and a boombox to hear the tunes. And yes, I would. If I had it, I would probably have uh, the uh, the opening FMV song that sounds in the English version like some sort of disco exercise tape playing nonstop. Uh, I love that uh, that ridiculous FMV intro. Yeah. Um, Budai also asked about who the main character of Final Fantasy XII was, and the answer is obvious. It's not some... Van. <laughs> I, I mean, the game doesn't even pretend that it's Van. No. Uh, but yeah, like the actual debate you would have is like, it, you, there's some versions of like, if, depending on what subplots you're focusing on, you might say Bosch or you might, but you would probably say Ash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's an important distinction, though. the The main character doesn't have to. The main be character is necessarily playing. the protagonist, right? It doesn't have to be the character you're playing all all the time. It's the main character suggests who the story largely revolves around. Yeah, it's it's the who's the story about, not necessarily whose perspective yeah. of the story. Like to to look at it another way, uh, to drag in some literature you were probably forced to read in high school. Uh, Nick Carraway is the protagonist of The Great Gatsby, but Gatsby is its main character. He's right. the subject of the 
story. Yeah. Or Moby Dick. Ahab yeah. is the protagonist, but it's all about the whale. Call me Ishmael. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of those situations where you have to... Where, where you have to be drawing some distinctions there. Because, like, some of these things, like, you, they have a main character, you're just not playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's done on purpose. I remember... Uh, I mean, that, that's almost any uh, military simulation RPG where you are officially the manager and you're just directing the troops. Yeah. Like, one of the weird things about Fire Emblem Awakening was that you're... That you were the strategist, but you were actually, like, a main character who was very important to its plot. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that shows up a lot. Um, I'm thinking of, like, situations where, like, it was very much specifically brought up is, like, uh, back in one, I remember people being very, very upset about the fact that... Uh, that Solid Snake is not the protagonist of Metal Gear Solid 2, to which the response was, yeah, he's still the main character, he's just not the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like, I, like, Kojima was like, I wanted to make a game where it was like, you were going, that you could observe Snake from an outsider's point of view and see how tough he looks to everyone else on the battlefield. <laughs> so, like, he deliberately, like, I, I remember, like, he mentioned that he kind of wanted to irritate players. He wanted to play as the strongest character around, and that's why, like, near the end of that game, like, both the protagonist and Snake are, like, handcuffed, and, like, the protagonist is kind of stuck, but Snake just literally breaks his handcuffs and starts swimming after to go beat up a giant robot. And it's just, like, just wanted you to feel, like... wanted the player to feel inadequate compared to Snake, the way that Raiden would in that scene, where he just breaks his handcuffs and goes off. But yeah, that's, like, this is usually done on purpose. Uh, but yeah. Uh, another game that, from around that same time, that's an RPG that uh, kind of does a shuffle about this to the point where I often see people having debates about this is uh, who the main character of Final Fantasy X is. Hmm. And the answer is that it's both Tidus and Yuna, which is something that the game says right at the end, but uh, people seem to ignore that for some reason. I was going to say, it is very much a shared protagonist role. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the game starts with, like, Oren being like, this is your story. Uh, but by the end, like, the game is like, I believe it's Yuna specifically just says, this is our story. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be harder to try and describe who's the, supposed to be the main character of Final Fantasy thirteen. Yeah, that one, like, that one was weird because the director insisted that the main character was Lightning, but she isn't more a main character than anyone else. Yeah, there so. was some. There were a lot of things that were interesting about the structure of that game, and I really do think that just the way that they put it together, it would have worked much better as a novel than yeah. as a video game. It was, it was a case where they didn't have an idea of how the game was going to function at first, and so like they stitched together what they had, and that ended up in a structure that wor- would work better as like a as a prose story rather than a video game. Yeah. I mean, I still remember playing it and not having a high-definition TV. Oh, and wow. in order to understand a lot of things that are going on, you need to be able to read encyclopedia entries. Yeah, that's, that's a real weakness of that game's plot. And here I was, I wasn't always able to read the names of items. Yeah. 
because it, they had the high high definition, really small font size. Yeah. Those encyclopedia entries are there. There are a lot of text to be reading at any size, let alone that one. Uh, yeah, that's a game where, where the where the develop the statements made by the developers don't seem to match the product that they made. <laughs> like Motomu Toriyama was always in. Like uh, I remember during. Uh, PR for the game, Motomu Toriyama was insistent that Lightning was the first female protagonist of the, in the franchise. To which someone pointed out, like, well, Terra and Celeste in uh, Final Fantasy VI. And he said, well, that game's an ensemble. And it's like, there is no measure of of six that calls it an ensemble that does not also cause thirteen to also be an ensemble. Yep. And you can make a much better argument for Celeste and Terra both being co-protagonists because the, fo- the story focuses on them more than anyone else. Yeah, like they... Because Locke like, is a distant third. Yeah, like, Locke gets maybe four major scenes that are just about him, whereas they get, like, six or seven. Like, most characters don't get more than two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Locke, if you want to get technical, everything from the time Terra flies off to when they relocate her in Zozo... Actually, no even later, all the way up to infiltrating the Empire, that's Locke as the main character. Yeah, but I, I would, I, I'm arguing more for scenes where he his personal journey is the center point. For the same True. reason for the same reason that I don't think that Cloud stops being the main character of Final Fantasy VII when he leaves the party and you're playing as Sid. Sid True. never takes up the mantle of main character. He just is the one you're controlling, but the plot is still very concerned with like what, like how do we fix this? Yeah, <laughs> and it ends up uh, using it to draw a contrast with how you were before. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Uh, that's that's an interesting technique that is also often used to illustrate who the main character is. Is how weird is it when they leave the party? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, let's see. Uh, well, we left the remake discussion behind a while ago to go back to the main character discussion, but uh, I can't think of many more for that. So another crawl question. Uh, also, what is the biggest gap in performance and or quality you've seen in a game released on multiple systems, excluding PC, because obviously. I mean, Dragon Quest Eleven was out on 3DS and PS4, but it didn't necessarily take a hit in quality, right? Yeah, like, you're still basically playing the same game with different graphics when you're playing Dragon Quest XI. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of games that were just, like, drastically cut down or simplified. Uh, um, they're not usually oh, 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 I got a good example. Xenosaga hmm. 1 and 2 DS. Oh, that's such a, oh, that is a super weird version. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't really call it super weird. It's just, it is... It is the condensed version. It is, in fact, quite yeah. better for it in many cases. Yeah, like, weird isn't necessarily bad. It's just, it's super weird because it's such a different tack that it has to take. Because, like, the PS2 ones are so FMV-heavy. Mm-hmm. And whereas with the DS one, you can actually see where they t- would later take some of the graphics and recycle it for Endless Frontier. That was also a game where they were being, where they designed... That was them kind of trying to go back and try to make the game a little more cohesive, since they had multiple games to condense at that point. Yeah, and it, again, it worked quite well. Yeah, um, like, I believe, officially, that's the version that Xenosaga Episode 3 is supposed to be continuing. 
Yeah, because it also includes extra scenes towards the end that connect into Xenosaga 3. Yeah, and like where where the two versions disagree, it seems like the DS one was the one that they cared about. But it was it was weird. <laughs> like that was that's a weird but interesting version, and I'm kind of surprised it never came out in the U.S. Hmm. Because Xenosaga was popular enough in the U.S. that Xenosaga two was designed to cater to what they thought the U.S. would want, and failed miserably. Bad choice. <laughs> A bunch of Americans bought this anime RPG. We need to make it less anime. <laughs> I will never quite understand how that happened. Yeah. Did Wheels die? No, no. Maybe. Okay. okay, I was curious because you were just sitting at this mission well, start screen. Yeah. Let's see. Um, a different one I can think of. Very different. Um, Nino Kuni. Yep, yep. That that HD version is not good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that's more of a case of they decided to add stuff, and it didn't fit. They added a bunch of stuff that didn't belong. Uh, I mean, it's not that. It's just that it didn't quite... I mean, they could have made it work better, but they didn't manage it, and then they took a bunch of stuff out of the game's third act and lost a lot of cool stuff at the same time. It's one of those situations where, like, it's a reminder that, like, a game having more content is not necessarily better if it mm. isn't a cohesive set of content additions. Because, like, you'll get, like, I mean, look at half of the Final Fantasy re-releases where it's like, here's a bunch of super bosses that only, that require you to adopt a very specific strategy, or, and, like, here's a hateful, hateful new dungeon. <laughs> like... Like, here's a Final Fantasy 1 remake with a time-limited dungeon. Have fun! And it's like, well, there's more content, but also I hate it. Uh, does Dead Rising Wii count as the same game? Yes, I would say it does. And that is one of the strangest versions. I'm not even sure if it's better or worse. It's different. <laughs> I'm not sure how much people care about Dead Rising for the Wii, but what a weird game. I forgot that existed. It's they took Dead Rising, an Xbox 360 game built around bazillions of zombies, and condemned, and put it in the Resident Evil 4 engine, uh, and also made it like the game doesn't acquit itself very well at first because it's not clear at first that the higher your level, the more zombies there are. The further you get into the game, the more zombies there are. So at first, it just seems like oh, there's five zombies in this game, and like this was a game sold on having thousands, but. That game, oh man, that game is so weird. Like, one of the other things they did, they added a money system, and they also added, like, uh, the ability to buy guns. Which, the the way that they did this was that in the original game, there was, like, a guy who worked at a gun store that you would have to fight. And, like, at the end he would get killed, and you'd be able to go back to the gun store to get infinite guns, because there's there's just a place full of guns now that you can mm -hmm. go steal guns from. But the thing is that in Dead Rising, chop till you drop for the Wii, the choice that they made was that they took the cutscene where he dies, freeze-framed it, and then, like, have you kill the zombies that are trying to kill him, which turns him into a normal NPC who will sell you guns now. But he didn't have any animations, so all they did was they just froze him on the shop screen so he doesn't move anymore. <laughs> it's... One of the most obviously low-budget attempts to reuse an asset I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know why they did it. 
But it's it's an interesting game. I don't think Dead Rising 1 has aged particularly well, so the Wii version, I think, is actually kind of underrated at this point. But, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's more like a side grade. It's not really an upgrade or a downgrade. It's just a weird version. Uh, the Game Boy Advance version of Lunar 1, in, contra- <laughs> in contrast to the PS1 version, is very not great. And it's mostly only for fans who are very interested in seeing every strange version of that story. Uh, one of my favorite uh, things about it being that it starts and... Well, you just walked off to your death. Uh, <laughs> is that it starts uh, with Nash visiting the first uh, town from Lunar 1. And he has a last name now. Huh. And that's the only version that gives him a last name. Very strange. There's lots of like weird things in that version where like, oh, this thing has a name. It never had a name before, but it has one now. Like some of the dragons in that version that didn't have names have names and uh, have names in that version. So it's not just Quark. I think like the blue dragon gets an actual name in that version. Very strange. Very strange game. Lunar is very good for remake comparison discussions because there's always something strange about any given version. Of it. <laughs> Anyway, I need to get going now. So Okay. All right, okay, sir. catch you later. Later. Nice talk to you. Sorry for bulldozing over. <laughs> no worries. I had to walk away a few times, unfortunately, so. Oh, yeah. Well, have okay. a have a good week. Trying to think of like weird remake. Okay. Biggest gap in performance though. Uh, I'm trying to think of ones that like active like, this used to be really common when you're looking at, like, PS1 versus N64 versus Sega Saturn games. Those are really weird. Yeah. Uh, video game ports used to be, like, this is just an entirely different game with the same name and maybe trying to meet some of the same design goals, but not all of them. Uh, if you're ever interested in this, uh, Digital Foundry's Retro Series kind of made makes this sort of thing its raison d'etre. It's full of weird... Like, this version's super weird, it doesn't run well, but it's interesting, and it's heartwarming that they tried. <laughs> There's a lot of those on that, if you're interested in this subject. Uh, I'm trying to think of ones that, like, are actually, like, really bad versions of something. Uh, like, well, I'm, like, I'm just getting a general hazy sense of, like, a lot of old PS1 to N64 and vice versa ports. Like, back in the day when, like, how repetitive Gex was going to sound was going to depend on whether you had a cartridge or a disc. <laughs> let's all let's all talk about Gex. Square's most beloved IP. Oh, that's right. They do own that, don't they? They do. That I really weird. want them to make... I really want them to make a game based off of that amazing Doc Future tweet. <laughs> Uh, let me see if I can find this because it's beautiful. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they do own that for some reason. Uh, obnoxious to get a hold of. Why did you do this to me? Must include Gex. <laughs> oh well, the, the the joke the joke was basically like Gex and his son 
uh, in a Halloween themed level and like Gex makes an old pop culture joke and his son hums like the first like they see a skeleton Gex makes a pop culture joke about Kate Moss his son whistles the first few notes from Megalovania from Undertale and neither of them has any idea what the other is saying (laughs) and it's the most perfect idea for a dad video game anyone has ever come up with and they're all too much of cowards to actually implement it uh, let's see. Uh, looking back at uh, the stream chat, Budai saying the PSP Lunar remake looked visually high quality, or Vita, whichever system that was on. That was on the PSP one. It's got nice sprites. I don't think they have as much character as the as the PS one version, but that's also the version I grew up with. So biased. Uh, a lot of fighting game fans like to argue over which versions of the games are better. The same with Genesis and SNES fans when it comes to Disney games. Oh yeah, the holy war over whether Genesis or uh, SNES Aladdin is better is still raging to this day somehow. It's the SNES one, but uh, Wheels, did you ever play either of those? Yes, both. Which one did you prefer? Genesis. I'm sorry. Um, I played that, but I played it primarily on the Game Boy, because that was the version that showed up on everything that wasn't the Genesis except the Super Nintendo. And who boy, you don't want to play that game on the Game Boy. <laughs> it's impossible. Ugh. It's so screen crunched. It's so impossible to read any sprite action at all. Uh, but yeah, that Holy War rages on. Me and Wheels will have to get in a fist fight soon. Um, at least we can all agree that the PS1 Aladdin game, based off of the TV series, but released like four years after that series ended, is very bad. You don't even know what Aladdin is. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) You don't even, like I said, you don't even know what... Yes, Aladdin in the series Revenge, it's like a 2001 (laughs) PS1 game. What the hell? I don't... It's based off of the, like, the cartoon series. Because, like, the, like, Nasira was, like, the Jafar sister from the cartoon series. And it's just like, who was this for in 2001? Who was buying this? I mean, I liked that cartoon series. It was a fine series, but it was like it was years after the cartoon went off the yeah, air. I, I don't know. That's very weird. Okay, so yeah, it was a March 2001 game. And I'm trying to work out when the uh, TV series would have gone off the air. So the TV series had ended its run. In oh oh my that might have actually been long it might have even been more out of date than I realized it ended its run in 1995 and this game came out in 2001. Okay, that's weird. The third movie that served as the end of the TV that served as the series finale for the TV show that came out in 1996. (laughs) I have no idea what this game was doing coming out in March of 2001. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, my brain is dis, is dying. Uh, what is the best version of Final Fantasy 1? Either the PSP or the uh, GBA version. Take your pick. Um, like, as long as you're not playing any of the bonus dungeons that any later version added, because they're all just trash fires. Uh, 
And also the uh, the one that was added to the GBA version has a bug that makes a new one of the new items they added completely unobtainable. Nice. Uh, the way that it randomizes, it, like, randomizes floors, and it randomize like, each chest, e- each floor has a certain number of chests that all contain a pre-determined item, and each item can only show up on certain floors. One of the floors, like, one of the items can't be obtained because the floor, the only floor it can show up on is a floor that cannot possibly spawn enough chests to contain it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's weird. Not not a great bonus dungeon. The new one they added for the PSP somehow worse. Uh, let's see what is the biggest gap? Uh, okay, but yeah, I don't think we can. Uh, we're going to keep getting sidetracked if we keep trying to answer biggest gap because I'm just going to keep coming to strange, to say strange strange versions. Maybe I should turn around. Uh, last the last question. What is the most gimped version of a game you've seen to get? Uh, the most gimp, like the most they've gimped a game to get it onto another system. Uh, again, back in the like days when you were maybe condensing a CD game onto a cartridge, you would often see games that had had like dozens of levels excised, <laughs> or even like the other way. For some reason, I, I guess for technical reasons or whatever, like Rayman Two on PS One is missing like a third of its levels. Hmm. I don't know why. I, I, but like they're just gone. Like, yeah, that, that's that's one of those. Uh, let's see, like that used to be like something that you would see a lot with like cons- PC to console ports. Also, would do this a lot, where it's like, well, this was designed to run on a PC and it doesn't run well on a console, so we're gonna have to just chop out do- tons of it. Like uh, a lot of the Doom ports to consoles until like 2010 <laughs> are all based off of the Jaguar port which d- cuts out like at least half of the game's levels. Jeez. And like they they would often d- they would do strange strange things to the to the game while they were doing that like uh j- just cutting out levels or splitting a le- one, what was one level into two levels and like moving them around so that they would yeah it was, it was weird like this happened a lot more when consoles didn't like you would have consoles that had tons of bespoke hardware that didn't didn't not only didn't exist in their direct competition but didn't exist in anything else <laughs> like it's just like oh this console is designed to do this thing really well and no other console really does it like that and it's really hard to get it working there a lot of PS1 to Saturn ports are like that, and the other way around. Uh, a lot of the, uh, or even just arcade to home ports used to be like this a lot as well. One of my favorite things was that Sega launched like three different consoles with ports of like Space Harrier, and each time they would get closer and closer to being the arcade version. <laughs> like by the time you got to the 32X, it was most of the way to being the arcade version. But like if you had bought it on the Master System, you wondered why you'd bothered. And that, that used to be like companies that lived and died in the arcade. Uh, the Morrowind Xbox port was a strange one. The draw distance was almost none. Uh, a lot of PCs at the time, the draw distance wasn't great on Morrowind. It's just kind of a foggy game. Yeah, I don't think uh, it was that strange. It seems like like that. There's a reason that that only came out on the Xbox because the Xbox was under the hood mostly a PC. Yeah. <laughs> 
lot of like that was one of the first consoles where you would look at it and it's like most of this is off the shelf parts <laughs> which until then like you would have Sony having tons of people slave away on the emotion engine which was a processor that no one liked and didn't work as well as something that was off the shelf <laughs> uh, remember getting Ninja Turtles the arcade on the NES still a good game but not the same thing yeah, that was that was also the period where they would try to make up for the fact that like you'd lost you had lost fidelity by adding content. So like they would add new levels to games. Uh, looks like you might win, uh, but they would add new levels to games like uh, Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. There's no reason to ever uh, to play the arcade version. It's disappointing when they in the few cases where they've re-released the arcade version because it's missing levels from the Super Nintendo version and the amount, like, it's also, it's also missing the ability to, like, throw enemies into the screen because that was a hardware uh, thing for the Super Nintendo that they hadn't done with the uh, with the arcade version. Uh, like, it, it's just, it, it doesn't look much better, but it, it's missing content, so it's like it's one of those situations where, like, the home version made out better. Or then you get into those weird situations where, like, Nintendo would have rights on... This is just me monologuing. I apologize. Uh, uh, good. I swear I'll be done with Ninja Turtles shortly. Uh, like, you get those weird ones where it's like, Hyperstone... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist isn't technically the same game, but it is kind of the same game. <laughs> and it's very different. But it's like... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Oh, oh! Here's, an, here's another one that got gimped very heavily to reach a system that it really shouldn't have been on. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for the frickin' NES. Like, one-on-one -on -one fighting games were not common on the NES. Um, mm. And there's a reason for that. And there's, like, four playable characters, and it's really, really baffling. I, I don't <laughs> recommend that. It's, it's a really interesting curio, because, like, there are so few. Like, there's that, and there's Joy Mecha Fight. And that's about it. <laughs> but uh, a 1993 uh, NES game with uh, that's a one-on-one -on -one fighting game based off the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> fighting games were not a genre that Konami was very good at, and that's honestly probably their best attempt at it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, but yeah, that, that would go pretty high on my list of games most gimped to try to reach a platform they probably shouldn't have been on. Uh, that Genesis Aladdin to Game Boy port that I was ranting about ten minutes ago, that... <sighs> okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I can't take it. I can't think about it again. Uh, like, fighting games used to do this a lot. The freaking Mortal Kombat to Game Boy port didn't make any dang sense. It wasn't a great game to begin with, and it was a nightmare on the Game Boy. Uh, see, Budai's next question... How do you feel about the PlayStation 3's catalog of RPGs? Surprisingly meh. Yeah, like, I feel like the issue I have is not that what's on there isn't good. There's a lot of good RPGs on the PS3. But there's almost nothing that feels fresh on it. Yeah, there's, there's not nothing a lot that's, that... like, essential either. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that's like, if you have one, oh, that's a good game, you should try that, here's that, that's, like, that's pretty good. But there's not a lot where I would, like, 
you need to try this because whether you like it or not, it's very different from what you've played before. Uh, I'm trying to think of like ones that really stand out in any direction. Like, there's a lot of games that I played and enjoyed. Uh, like, the standout ones would be things like some of these have been ported since, but like Resonance of Fate would stick out to me as like something that I would tell people to go out, go and seek out, regardless of whether they necessarily liked it. Because it doesn't play like anything else. Yeah. But I feel like this generation, we've seen more of that, like, uh, games that feel like no one had done them before, even if you don't necessarily like them. Like, FF13 feels like a game that, like, it, it feels Final Fantasy enough. I mean, it's, it's very linear, but if you go back and look at something like FF10, it's also very linear. Uh... It's also basically a hallway, but uh, <laughs> like if I, if I were to look at, I, I mean literally, like go back and analyze those maps. There's very few turns on most of them. Uh, but uh, what I would say is that something like uh, I know that FF15 is a very divisive game, but it feels much more like something you haven't played before. So, like that that would be my sort of like statement on the health of the RPG for the. PS3. Also, there's no Dragon Quests for it, so... Yeah. You know what? Get out of here. Get out of town. (laughs) Had your lunch eaten by the DS. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I was gonna say, like, uh, look at what I have... uh, still have, as far as RPGs on the PS3, and it's like... Most stuff um, I either replaced with X, Xbox versions or Vita like re-releases. Or... The Vita re-releases would usually have new stuff in them. Yeah, it's, it's not much reason to have the thing anymore. Yeah, just for raw RPGs. Like I'm thinking about like games that are actually exclusive to it that have never come out elsewhere, and they're things like White Knight Chronicles, where I didn't like them at the time. <laughs> Like, that's the other thing about it, is that it's a system that so much of what was interesting and worthwhile on it has been ported forward. Like, I'm thinking of, like, the Dusk Atelier games haven't been ported forward. That would be nice. Those are something I would seek out. But I couldn't really tell someone to get a PS3 for them. Yeah. Because they are really good Atelier games, but they're not... Oh, wait, those are on Vita anyway. Yeah, those are on Vita. (laughs) I forgot. Oh, frick. Yeah... Uh, Sona 5's on PS4. Uh, it's like I'm I'm just looking back and they're like my brain is referring like Enchanted Arms, Eternal Sonata. Like they're not terrible. They're just yeah. I would never tell someone like you should seek this out. It's particularly good. Also, you look like you're stopping right now. Um, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like it's it's just uh, uh, Dark Souls and Yakuza getting to PS4 really makes a difference too. Yeah, yeah. Like for a while, like Yakuza three, four, and five would have been on this list, but it's like, oh, those are coming to PS4, and they'll probably be better off there. Uh, and yeah, like Dark Souls two and three are already both on PS4, and Dark Souls Remastered just came out on PS4 like six months ago, maybe a year ago. It's been a while. <laughs> Uh, but like they're all like they're they're all there I mean 
Also, this UI really feels like they took a lot of cues from Hearthstone. Uh, I, I think it's it's actually snappier than Hearthstone, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like that. That seems like the baseline they built from, which yeah. is probably a choice. Uh, but yeah, like it's really hard to think of PS3 RPGs that are exclusive that I would tell someone they really need to play. The only one I can think of is Guided Fate Paradox, which is already oh, a strange, strange, strange game. Uh, so I, My brain like, had to double-check that you weren't trolling, because my brain, like, briefly conflated that and Time and Eternity. Oh, God. <laughs> which is, uh, what a game! What a game! What a game! Consider yourself lucky if you don't remember it. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what? Like, I, I, like I'm even trying to think of like really influential RPGs that debuted on PS3, and like don't really the only thing any. I can really think of, and this is obviously super niche, is I, I think like the Atelier. I, I always pronounce that it. It really it, it hit a, it hit a certain stride. Yeah. On the PS3. And uh, that, really, was, that was when they started doing away with time limits as well, I yeah. think. Yeah, the tail end of the PS3 era for them. It's kind of funny because the first, uh, the first one on the PS3 didn't look that great, but Gus kind of just kept pumping out games yeah. on the PS3. So, uh, let's see. But I saying he's never played Time and Eternity, but it was a game with a female main character with choppy animation. Yeah, there's a lot of choppy animation. Game. What a time. Uh, what a time. I don't want to think about that game anymore. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the Atelier series, I think, was one of the few where it felt like it, it refocused in a way that was attractive to a new audience. And all, although I believe basically all of those have been ported elsewhere because we got like the entire uh, Arlen trilogy is now on everything. Uh, Except Xbone, I think. Poor thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to like. I, I'm PS3 was a thing that I was kind of glad to see the back of because anything that really made its home there that never got ported elsewhere is going to be lost forever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, why do you feel so many indie RPGs are inspired by Earthbound slash Mother? So, uh, this is another Budai question. So this is, this reminds me of a joke that's often told about deeply influential rock band Velvet Underground, which was that only a thousand people bought their debut album, but all of them went off and started bands. <laughs> uh... Because like it's it's such an outsized influence an outsized list of influences on so many bands. And I, I think Mother's kind of the same way, at least in the US, where the kind of that very few people necessarily played it, but the kind of person who played it and fell in love with it became the kind of person that wanted to make games. Right. To tell like that that was their storytelling medium. And, like, there's a lot of situations where, like, oh, I played a lot of Final Fantasy, I played a lot of Chrono Trigger, and, like, that... It, it can be hard to tell that, because it's part of the 
cosmic background radiation of the JRPG. But at the same time, like, there's also just a degree of, like, this game inspired people who might have written stories in other mediums to write stories in games. But yeah, uh, Budai, Budai knows the Velvet Underground reference, Lou Reed's band, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like I, I would say that it's a similar situation where like, it, where, you know, Velvet Underground, not a, like a thousand people bought the album and all of them started bands. Like a thousand people played Earthbound and 90% of them went off to make RPG Maker games and later may have gone legit. So, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that I, I don't want to say gone legit. I don't want to minimize uh, RPG Maker games. They're very valid, but uh, I mean, you know, they made higher scale productions. Right. Uh, I, I think that that's why it seems like such an outsized influence. Uh, you got uh, anything else to add to that? or? No, I think no. No, <laughs> that covers it, yeah. Ooh, this, this might be something that you'd be better at answering because I certainly haven't uh, played a lot of that. How could you add RPG elements to something like Overwatch without ruining the balance of it? Uh, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, like that's kind can. of the, the long and short of it is that like the issue you run into is that in a PvP environment, if you make RPG elements a central focus you destroy a lot of pickup and play. Because you make it so that even someone who is preternaturally good at the game cannot beat someone who has put in enough time. Right. Until they have put in an equivalent amount of time and the game caps. But, like, I, I don't think that, like, that's just one of those reasons, like, this is why you might not incorporate RPG elements, because you just don't have a choice. <laughs> This one, this person looks like they actually have some cards on board. Quite. Trying not to lose. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking this guy might actually give you a run for your money. Um, <laughs> I think he, I think he screwed up though. Fair, fair, but he actually put up a fight. Unlike he, some of the he put others. up a well, he played a planeswalker that could gain him life, and he chose not to use the gain life option. Huh. Which is. He's probably still got me, but... <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know that there's a way to square that circle. Just because, like, you've got two values that are so directly opposed to each other. Are you playing a burn deck? <laughs> uh, it's called red deck wins. So what you're saying is it is a burn deck. It's, it's burn aggro? It's bagro. Bagro. Uh, Mobus, Mobus seemed like a step from uh, Overwatch into a more RPG-like rule set. Kind of, but there's such a differently paced game that you kind of have lost the pacing of it. Like, they're, like MOBAs are these 45-minute marathons where everyone gets mad at each other. <laughs> but, yeah, like, how long would you say a typical Overwatch match is, Wales? Uh... Like, just doing quick play and not, like, the competitive yeah, match Yeah, just doing a quick play. Like, ten minutes tops. Yeah, like, that's that's a big difference when you're talking about, like, 
something that could last four to five times as long. Yeah. Oh, you might be you might be toast, buddy. No, I'm fine. <laughs> but I have math on my side. Power <laughs> math. Oh, oh, you did it. But yeah. Uh, see, for a persistent power up. Okay. Yeah, for a persistent power up, that can be tricky. Yeah, like MOPA's built like a small scale like RPG progression loop into them, in part because they're. They're RTS spinoff. They're, yeah. they're an RTS offshoot, which built up that like idea of like you start out with very with a limited amount of resources, and then you have to gather resources and then spend them, and that, that like you spend them on something that would approximate a level up. But like because MOBAs grew out of that, but they added hero characters for more direct RPG elements, you get that. Yeah, but, I, and I guess that's why where people make like the MOBA comparison to Overwatch, but yeah, because they're they're FPSs with hero characters. But, but I mean, there's no real, there's no real comparison. I mean, uh, like shooters with with uh, hero characters aren't even particularly new. Like you could, like just for an example, go back to say Star Wars Battlefront Two on the original PS2 and Xbox. Uh, has like one of the things that you could do was you could spawn in as like a Jedi and like that was designed to be a character who was had special abilities and like the I the the thing they hadn't reached was the idea of like oh well everyone is that and like they they kind of had because you had things like Team Fortress Classic which was the same which was a similar idea it's just that it was built around classes which Overwatch is less cleanly built around right so it's one of those things where like I would describe it as convergent evolution rather than them being particularly the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. I think that about runs us out of questions, unless Budai wants to provide another one on the fly right now. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got a little bit of this magic game to go. (laughs) But yeah. It can be interesting looking at like finding, uh, trying to trace something back to find out why it does things the way that it does, because, like, it is very tempting to compare something like a MOBA to uh, something like Overwatch, but they they serve different... Uh, they, they were built on different ground, and it produced, they produced different objects as a result. Yeah. So... Uh, you want to start wrapping up, I guess? Sure. Uh, you can send us questions in the usual places. Um, you should check out the whole JRPG League thing the site's got going on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, going to lose this game here. Um <coughs> Uh, yeah, that's about it. It's uh, a good reminder that the amount of health you have isn't your score. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what was I going to say? What the fuck is this thing transforming into? Oh, great. Land that makes more life linking. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um. Now I've lost all train of thought. Uh, Questions in the comments or on Discord or even, as as is the case now, uh, 
or even as is the case now, you can also ask questions in the comments if we are streaming. Uh, we will react. I will try do my best to react to those in a an appropriate fashion. Um, oh, oh, Budai is the last question. Is everyone you're fighting this line looking dude? Um, I'm playing the ranked mode, which resembles real life magic, as in you do best two out of three. So, I uh, this is game three playing the same person, and. The last person I played may have also used that avatar, so that this, probably answers that question. A weird coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this reminds me of uh, of a. This is, reminds me of a way I can hurt you. What's that? So Yu-Gi-Oh has a card for the situations <laughs> like this. Oh no. This card cannot be special summoned. To tribute summon this, you must tribute three dragon-type monsters. If this card attacks your opponents directly and reduces their life points to zero, you win the match. Huh. That was a tournament legal card for a hot minute. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, you'll never guess. <laughs> but yeah, uh, questions in the comments on the Discord, or in this case, if we're streaming in the uh, stream chat. Uh... Otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.